G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 50. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and today I am talking to Isabel Cornish. So if you'd like to know more about healthy habits for an epic life, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. Born and raised in farm and wine country in Hunter Valley, New South Wales, Isabel Cornish is a country girl at heart. Her passion for fitness began on the soccer field and basketball courts of school, and her love of health has seen her travelling the globe to experience all the best teachers and retreats in the wellness area. She's explored the world of nutrition and cleanses in depth, done raw vegan chef workshops and courses, and become qualified as a Jivamakti, I apologise if I get that wrong, Jivamakti yoga teacher, personal trainer and health coach specialising in eating psychology. Isabel's other great love is acting. Isabel's performing days began at the Hunter School of Performing Arts. She has since transitioned to television, appearing on screens across the world in various productions from the award-winning Puberty Blues to Marvel's superhero empire in Inhumans. Her love for all things health, fitness, and beauty has seen her in different ambassador roles, collaborating and working for brands such as Adidas, Nike, Bonds, Dior, Tony Bianco, Revlon, Alice McCall, Urban Outfitters, and Nasty Gal. Isabel now, le- now lives on a macadamia farm in the Byron Bay hinterlands. When she is not acting, she devotes her time to travel and creativity, trail running with her dog, traveling in her camper van, surfing, playing the guitar, or making art. Her mission is to help and inspire others to believe in their power. Well, what a life. This episode is brought to you by Isabel's new book, The Why, Healthy Habits for an Epic Life. You can get your copy by heading to Isabel's website at isabelcornish.life and of course you can look her up by searching her name on instagram and getting a copy there moving us on to our review of the week which this week is actually more of a testimonial is actually a testimonial and it comes from isabel's co-star on sas australia jessica Paris. jessica said before i started training with jacob i was struggling with finding self-motivation After taking some time off from sport and neglecting my my training, I needed to find consistency again. Jacob has helped me regain that structure and consistency. I felt like I was missing someone who could find my overall weaknesses and imbalances and specifically program exercises to strengthen them. Jacob's program has significantly helped rebuild my base strength. This will set me up for success when approaching different gym phases specific to my track program. Not only have I regained confidence in myself, I feel confident knowing that I haven't yet reached my highest potential. I say that as the exercises I'm now doing in my programs, I haven't done previously, especially working to my correct body imbalances, to correct my body imbalances. Doing so well, uh, doing so will increase my strength and ability to move more efficiently and quickly. Now I'm feeling mentally refocused and determined to keep improving to be the best possible version of me. I love that Jacob loads my sessions into an online app. This helps me to structure my day around my gym sessions, especially with my food intake. It also helps me to be accountable. I can log in my weights and keep track of my improvements in the app. I also love that before each session, I'm asked to rate my sleep, soreness, fatigue, stress, and motivation levels. This ensures that the coach and athlete are on the same page. Wow. Thank you, Jess. Moving on to 
our intro of Isabel Cornish, who is today's guest. In this episode, you are going to learn the story behind the writing of Isabel's book, why Isabel's blog wasn't enough for her, Isabel's experiences with eating disorders, how Isabel learned to deal with her ADHD and make it her superpower, the behind-the-scenes stories to Isabel's acting gigs, including Marvel Inhumans, Isabel's experience on SAS Australia and the training that went into preparing for the show, plus the health workshops that Isabel runs around the country and how you can get involved. So it is a big and massive episode. It is very, very exciting. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here. I love chatting about all things health and wellness. It is an absolute pleasure to have someone like you on the show. I imagine you must be extremely busy. Before we get started, I'd like to ask all of our guests the same question. That is, how do you mind your body? So for me, it's all about checking in and asking questions, um, connecting to my heart and checking in with my emotional health because everything is interconnected. So for me, I like wake up in the morning and I'll start with like, how am I feeling? What does my body need today? And then that will lead me into my day. Awesome. So how what does a typical day look like for you then? Because I imagine that it is quite variable in the way that you live your life with your career. Yeah, it, every day is different, which is the way I love it. Um, I like flow. I've found flow in my lifestyle. Um, for many years, I was in strict rules and regulations and routines, and that just doesn't really serve my creativity so much. So at the moment, I'm getting la- ready to launch my first book, which is called The Why Healthy Habits for an Epic Life. So um, my weeks at the moment, doing press for the book, uh, working on the book launch, and you know, I'm always being creative, whether that's playing guitar, writing poetry, or writing, you know, short stories. So it's a little bit of work and a little bit of play and fun creativity in my life at the moment. So tell me about that book. First of all, how can you get yourself a copy of this book? So you can order a copy of this book from your favourite bookseller. Um, So if you have a local bookstore, you can go there and support local and they can order it for you. Otherwise, you can go onto Booktopia um, online and they can send it straight to your doorstep. Awesome. And so we'll, of course, link all of that in the show notes. How did it come about to write this book? So this book, um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it a little bit. She talks about creativity being like, you know, everything is energy, right? And we have these creative ideas that bobble around in the universe. And she speaks about like sometimes you'll just get hit with something and it's like you know that you have to create that, make that or write that. So this book, um, The Why, for me was one of those moments like I sat in LA a few years ago and went to write a blog post and I just got hit like I couldn't even start the first line of this blog post and I got hit and I was like I have to write a book and this is the exact this is exactly what the book's going to be called and this is exactly what it's going to have in it and it just like hit me like one of those moments and then from then um on I I was like planning the book and writing sample chapters but I still wasn't sure how I was going to put it into action and took me a while to get a lot of clarity on exactly how I wanted to structure it. And then I got a book publisher um, involved and then, yeah, just wrote the book. So this is a very big heart project for me. It's a book that I wish that I had as a young woman growing up. It's like it tells the my life story and everything I went 
I went through from eating disorders to poor body image, um, also working in the entertainment industry since age 16, and then the healthy habits that I developed and adapted to, you know, help me navigate the journey of life. So um, that's what essentially the book is. And I just wanted to share with other people my story and what I learn and hope, hope that I can offer them healthy habits to integrate into their own life. Wow. As I said to you before we started recording, there's things will inevitably show up that I want to go off into. And there are so many tangents that I want to head in. So I'm going to try and narrow it right back to that blog post. So tell me a little bit about that. Why were you writing a blog? Do you have a blog? Um, Why were you writing that post? And how did that turn into the idea of an entire book from that? Yeah, so I do have a, a blog. It's called um, isabelcornish.life and it's kind of, it's changed throughout the years, um, but essentially it's like a healthy habits blog. So I cover things from like food to mindset to movement and that was just a way for me to connect with my community and the people that follow me on social media to, you know, hopefully give them the tools tools and tricks that work for me in my lifestyle. So I had that blog and um, I've gone through phases where I like and absolutely loving writing on the blog. But then that day I kind of reached a point where I was like the feeling that I had was like this isn't, I can't write this blog post because this isn't it. I've got so much more to say. I feel like I've, I've got so much more to say and teach and like to give that that was the moment where I was like a blog post just won't do it. And um, so it was just like, yeah, this feeling, like that purpose, that drive that that people look for. Um, so it just like hit me in the form of a book at that time. So it reconnected me with my purpose and my heart. And, um, yeah, that's why it was like, it was like I can't feel fulfilled by writing a blog post. Like I have to write a book. Um, and that's what's been like quite an epic experience of this book is I always felt like back then before I wrote it that I had so much to say and then after I wrote this book I was like oh like I you know now I'm ready to get hit with the next one like I'm waiting for that moment where it's just like bang okay this is what I've got to do next but um yeah I feel like I got a lot a lot said and a lot out in that book that I can't wait to share with other people. So is there already plans for a second book? Oh, yeah, always plans. There was a second book before I'd even got through the first one, to be honest. <laughs> but so if funny I don't you know say that. Be- yeah? Yeah, because there was a, a previous guest, Nathan Parnham, who um, worked with the Parramatta Eels and Australian Rugby Women's Sevens, and he's now the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Brisbane Grammar. And uh, he wrote a book called The Sporting Parent. And interviewing him on the show, he was saying how the ideas for a second book were already coming as that first book was being written. So it's so interesting to hear that from authors that the idea for a second one is already like how it organically grows from that first book. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a few different things like hit me and I'm just trying to decipher what one is kind of first, but it's just, you know, I like to explain writing a book like climbing a mountain, but multiple times. So you're at the bottom and you're like, how the fuck am I ever going to get to the top? Like, and then, you know, each step you're like getting there and you get to the top and it's like this euphoric feeling. And that's like when you, you know, you write page one and then you're at page 300 and you're like, how the hell did I get here? And then every time you have to edit the book, you got to go back to the bottom of the mountain and try climb it again. So it's like, you know, you get that fulfillment. And I feel like 
everyone, no matter what kind of creative project they do, there's, you know, so much growth and beauty and magic that comes from committing to something that's such a mammoth task. So whether you're running like a marathon or you're doing, you know, you're doing a triathlon, you know, you commit to that journey and you put in the work and it's quite magical, you know, the the end goal like I talk about it in the book, you know, the journey is just as beautiful as the end goal. And I like to see my life as one of, you know, following the rainbow or chasing the rainbow. So I'm not fixating on a pot of gold. I'm enjoying the beauty of the rainbow and the journey and all the lessons that come from it. There's actually a really good story that you put up on Instagram yesterday that I really liked, which was exactly that. I think it was a photo from a page in the book saying about the journey being part um, of the enjoyment of it and in there there was a picture did you tell me about the illustrations in this book yeah so I hand uh hand drew all the illustrations myself so I'm not sure how many there is in there I should know that <laughs> I just didn't know but yeah the book's filled with um hand-drawn illustrations I wanted to to add that creative flair and I wanted to make it personal so that people you know they're reading my writing and they're looking at my illustrations and also to inspire other people to use creative forms to express their way the way they feel you know we we think that you have to be like a writer an artist to use creativity but you can use it to set intentions like you can write a song to set your intention for the month you don't just have to like journal out your intention you can write a poem and stick the poem up on the wall in your room to reference throughout the month you can draw pictures so I'm trying to I was by sharing the way that I use creativity and personal growth and in you know navigating my life that's why I put in the illustrations in the book to hopefully inspire other people to do the same. Mm. I might just address the elephant in the room if anyone can hear it Um, I am recording in Darwin in the monsoon season and it is raining absolute cats and dogs so I don't know if anyone can hear that and of course you're recording from a farm in northern New South Wales so we've decided to turn the video off for this episode and do an audio only and to tell you the truth I'm actually quite enjoying the no video element it's quite good isn't it you can just fully relax and, and absorb each other's you know message yeah, yeah, I'm not worrying about what I look like. Um, but tell me, talking about worrying about what you look like, you mentioned that you were writing a blog post in LA. Now, I'm someone who absolutely loves blogging. I came across blogging through a guy called Michael Hyatt, and I started a blog in 2000 and June 1st, 2015 it was, and it was actually from Laguna Beach in Southern California. So to hear you say that you were writing a blog post in LA is quite um, interesting for me, and I love it. What were you doing in LA at the time when you wrote that blog? Um, that specific time, I I just finished doing a series in um, Hawaii, actually, and then I was just back in LA for casting season. Um, yeah, so when I wasn't doing auditions, I'd just spend a lot of time, you know, writing or training. Um, not not as much time as I would have liked at the beach because the beaches in LA aren't that ideal. But yeah, just writing, acting, and um, moving my body. So what was that TV series that you were recording in Hawaii? So that was called Inhumans. So it was a Marvel television series about the royal family. Um, Yes, it was pretty fun, but it was like crazy to be filming something that's like like a Marvel series, but like on Hawaii and in that half of it was in studio and half of it 
was um, out in nature, but it was just, you know, so surreal because the characters that we're acting, like they live on the moon and then we are just like in this hot, like we're in these leather costumes and it's like 40 degrees outside and sunny and we're just sweating. It was quite, yeah, it was a cool experience. I was trying to set that segue up because I was pretty sure that's where you were going to go with saying you were recording a TV series in Hawaii. So we've um, been connected for a couple of months now and I I can't remember how someone had told me to check out Inhumans and that you were in it. So I looked it up and I thought, oh, I can't get access to it here in Australia. But then I discovered that I actually can through Disney+. Plus. So I've got into it on Disney+, and started watching it, and I have absolutely loved it. So I want to know a little bit more. What was it like recording that TV series? Yeah, it was, you know, we were half in studio and half outdoors in Hawaii, but it was like Hawaii is the most beautiful place ever. Like I cannot wait to go back there. And I just I had such a epic experience there. So, um, yeah, so a lot of long studio days and then a lot of nice days out in Hawaii, like out in nature, but we also had a fair few days off. So on my days off, I would just hike pretty much just got obsessed with hiking when I was over there. Um, hiking and snorkeling and the actual shoot days of the show you know they were long so I'd usually have to leave my apartment at 4am in the morning and I wouldn't get home till like 9 nine thirty at night and working all day um, so when on my days off I'd really prioritize like my um, physical mental and emotional well-being and then on my long shoot days like there wasn't time to exercise like it was a get home, shower, get back into bed, ready for work the next day. So I would spend a lot of time, um, you know, in between takes and on breaks doing like yoga and meditation and stretching um, in my trailer because, you know, if you're in those costumes and you've got your hair and makeup done, you can't go for a walk or a run or do, you know, do a circuit. You have to, like your hair and makeup has to stay perfect. Otherwise, you've got to go back into the makeup chair for a few hours. So the options are limited, but, um, you know, you just make do with what you can and try and move as much as you can throughout your day. I'm going to share a little story, which I don't normally share because it is a little bit, um, I sound like a little bit of a flog to share it, but uh, I was doing um, one of my in-person like brushes with flame fame was um, the movie Australia. And so they filmed two weeks of that in Darwin, which was obviously with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. And I do. I used to do surf lifesaving and I was asked at that time to do water safety. Me and another guy were driving the IRBs around Darwin Harbour in case someone fell off the, um, off the wharf while they were filming. And there was a time there, there was a gap in recording where Hugh Jackman had come down onto the pontoon where I was sitting just having a rest. And he actually um, started talking to me, which I was just blown away with. I thought, that, like, this guy's a Hollywood star and he's just engaging in conversation with me and was asking about crocodiles and sharks and all sorts of things like that, which is quite funny. But you just made me think of that by um, talking about the uh, the hair and makeup. So one of the funny things about that conversation was one of the hair and makeup ladies had come down and was trimming his beard. And to me, his beard looked absolutely immaculate. But she was spending that much, I think she just wanted to touch his face because the amount of detail she went into with making sure that every little strand of hair on his face was perfect, was incredible. And uh, so when you, you know, for someone that's supposed to be in the middle of World War II, like I just thought that was so funny. But that's yeah. that's also my little way of dropping that I've met Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it's, you know, everyone wants to do their job perfectly and there's a lot of pressure in the film industry as well, you know. So um, you all have to look out for each other. Yeah, that's cool. So let's keep on this um, acting theme for now. Uh, go, let's go right back. You said that you started in at 16. Was that right? Yeah, so I, I did catwalk modelling in the few television commercials when I was pretty young and then I went to a performing arts high school and did drama as a, as a, um, a kid and a teenager. But it wasn't until 16 that I actually started working in film and television because I lived three hours away from Sydney. So I had to wait till I was old enough. My mum was at TAFE at the time. So when I turned 16, mum was like, okay, you're old enough now to catch the train to Sydney to do an audition. So I'd catch the train three hours, do like one 10-minute audition and then catch the train three hours home. And I started doing that a few days a week and then I landed my first job. And then within a year, I think like a year later, then I had my P plates and I would drive to Sydney, do a casting and then drive home. Um yeah, so, you know, I loved it. Like it's always, acting was always what I wanted to do. I've um, like, I'm not really into labels, but, um, you know, I've struggled with ADHD and, you know, not fitting into the normal box. So I've always really thrived in a creative environment. So from a young age, I was like, I've got to get out of school. I need to act. I need to be out there in the world. I need to be using my creative gifts. So um, I just loved it. So it was never a job for me. It was always just, you know, fun and exciting and I felt like I was, you know, following my heart. So what was it like growing up with ADHD? Um, it was, you know, it's different. I feel like it's everyone, you know, we're all different people. Like we're all, we're all completely different and, you know, we've all got special gifts and we all function in different ways. But the thing is society creates a box. And if you're not, if you don't fit into that box of where like, you're not, you can't concentrate at school very well, then you feel different from everyone else. But, um, you know, the systems in place aren't really ideal for kids that just need to be in a very creative environment. Um, so for me, it was uh, the older I've gotten, the more I began to understand the way that I work, the way that I function, I can make it work for me. So I know how I learn the best. I know when I learn the best, like if I'm moving, my memory is like, ten, like so, so good. If I'm like exercising or learning lines, then I'll like walk on the treadmill. So I know what works for me and what doesn't. But before I understood any of that, trying to just tell someone that's hyperactive to, you know, sit still and concentrate, it's like a recipe for disaster. Um, so, yeah, now, you know, it's made me, it, it makes me who I am and I love, like, I love that part of myself, but I did find it difficult to navigate that without um, without help and without, you know, without having that like personal development and understanding myself as a young woman. What point do you think you really did start to get a handle on it? Um, when I, so when I left school and started acting, I just started to thrive because I was in, I wasn't then forced to, you know, sit still and con- try and concentrate on things that didn't sit right for me. So then I began to thrive and then, um, you know, I've never had a, I've never had an issue with it if I'm in a creative environment. But then, as you know, as I started to live more, uh, live alone on other sides of the world, and started to get more into the modelling industry, then I found it 
quite difficult. I wasn't as creative, you know. I was in tiny apartments or I was places that I didn't, like, I didn't have any friends and family around and I then found, like, emotional regulation quite difficult without having that, like, like that freedom and that creative outlet. So, you know, that's when um, I struggled with an eating disorder and poor body image and eating disorders usually come hand in hand with ADHD. So that's why I'm very passionate about, you know, like I'm very open about my story and my struggles and also what helped me and that's the things that I share in my book. But, yeah, so I, I, the more I learn about myself and the more I began to understand myself and then the more connected I was with my heart so I could make better choices and decisions and implement better habits into my life to help me support myself. So what does a typical day look like in terms of your eating? So now I um, I have a very, I call myself a flexitarian. I have a very flexible diet. I eat intuitively. So I studied eating psychology, which really transformed my relationship with food. So I like to eat as much of the health, as much healthy stuff as I can. So I look at, you know, how can I eat the rainbow? I ask myself questions like, how can I get as much of the good stuff in today as I can to, you know, fuel my body and fuel my mind. But I eat intuitively, meaning like I, you know, do a big shop at the start of the week where the supermarket and the farmer's markets and make sure that I have all different colored foods and vegetables on hand. So then I can go, okay, this is what I'm craving today. This is what I'm, this is what I feel like, but I have quality ingredients there to make those meals. Yeah, that's so, um, that's, such good advice. I love the eating the rainbow thing. And I really, really like that term, the flexitarian. <laughs> so what's you shared some of the story on SAS recently. So you're on a, um, a television show called SAS, uh, which was all about military-style training. Um, it was a nation- nationwide um, TV show. If no one's heard of it, I'm sure they have. And you shared some of that story. Tell me about that experience on that show. Yeah, it was different. I mean, um, you know, I've like, I've accepted my story and my journey and I feel like by writing my book and sharing all of that, it didn't, like I I've, I never felt afraid. Um, but it was very interesting for me to watch back, you know, that um, interrogation and to sit, to watch it from a different perspective and like, you know, to be able to like listen and watch myself um was pretty cool and you know I I was pretty proud of myself for just you know being so vulnerable and but also like um I had a lot of strength in that interrogation which when I you know looked back on I was pretty I was proud of myself you know because we we spent so much time like you know, always striving for the next thing or always criticizing ourselves. But I think sometimes we just have to take a step back and be like, yeah, I did a good job there. So um, that's been really important for me on my journey is like, like being a friend to myself and like, you know, being proud of myself when I do something that when I try work hard and get through something and then share it in, you know, in a um, respectful, compassionate way. So it was definitely interesting and and it's been um, and I really have valued how many people actually reached out to me after watching that show saying that what I shared really helped them. So, you know, that was quite epic. 
Mm. And so you found that most of that feedback has been positive? Yeah, it's all been positive. So I had a lot of people being like just felt like telling me that they felt like they'd been seen and that they felt the same way or they struggled with the same things and that they were very grateful that, you know, I spoke about it so openly. So that was pretty cool. Now imagine the training for something like that has the potential to be quite brutal. So what was the training like? How long did it go for and what sort of stuff were you doing to prepare for that show? So I trained for about seven or eight weeks in the gym before that show. So I've always been quite into running. And before I knew that I was doing SAS, I was running a lot, like um, trail running and just uh, running with my dog and, you know, right right into training for events and things. And I was actually going to do some big runs. And then I found out that SAS had asked me to go on the show. So then I spent a lot of time in the gym um, just trying to get as strong as possible because my cardiovascular was already pretty good. Um, So I would train outside or train in the gym. And from, you know, from long, most of my sessions were quite long, like two to three hours long. And I trained with a trainer in Sydney called Giannis. So we had an epic time together. We would, some mornings we'd do like a big pack walk and then, he'd drill me in like the soft sand and the water for an hour and then we'd have to pack walk all the way back. Um, Yeah, it was fun. I I love training though. Like I love like, you know, pushing my limits. I love getting out there and sweating and I love, you know, working alongside someone that's like really passionate and loves what they do, which my trainer did for that show. So, you know, and the journey for training for that show was just as good as the show for me. Like, I had so much growth, the same thing in that training process and um, it really made like like when I reflect on that time, you know, I have so much joy for the training process as much as I did for being on the show. Yeah, so that's really interesting and, again, you've said exactly what you said in the book about enjoying the journey just as much as the end result. So what's next then? It seems, seems like you've had a pretty fulfilled life so far. Um, what's next in terms of all of this stuff? So um, acting is always like I, I love acting. I'll always be acting. And then um, at the moment I'm just focusing on the book and then what I can develop around that. So I want to work to develop, you know, a healthy habits program to run in schools that, you know, talks about the why, like finding. Um, so the, the reason the book's called The Why is because why connects us to our, like our purpose and our heart. So we can have all these things on our to-do list, but if we don't integrate why we need to do them, we don't connect those things to our heart. It's hard to have the motivation to do them. So um, I'm going to be doing business stuff this year alongside that to like to bring this um, healthy habits, you know, program into schools and workshops and things like that. So it's pretty exciting. That's cool. How how will that? How do you envisage that sort of happening? So um, the school stuff. So you um, you do like a school tour, and then you can either make a in person program or an online program that then the schools can opt in for, and that's then taught as a part of the curriculum. So it's just all about like getting out there. So I've got the book ready to go, but it's just about getting out there into the schools and um, then developing a program. That's so cool. And you do some coaching stuff already. What sort of stuff do you uh, work in? What areas do you coach in? 
So I do health coaching. So um, it's all unique to the individual, but I do a lot with eating psychology and body image, self-love. So that's what most of my clients kind of come to me for. I also study personal training and yoga. So I work, yeah, pretty unique to the individual, but it's holistic health coaching. Yeah, cool. And how can people contact you to find out more? So you can um, email me on my website or you can write to me on social media. We'll, we'll put the um, links in the show notes, I'm sure. Yeah, cool. We definitely will isabelcornish.life and we'll link all that up in the show notes, including your Instagram. Um, so before I do, we do start to wind up, but I still have some more questions that I want to ask. So tell me a little bit more about the yoga and how you use yoga in your life. So, um, yeah, I studied yoga when I was about 19, 300-hour Jiva Mukti yoga, which is just a style. There's many types of yoga. But yoga philosophy is a big part of my life, so about, you know, compassion, being a friend to yourself, connecting your body with your heart, with your mind, using your breath, so um, slowing down. So I just integrate a lot of the yoga philosophy into my lifestyle. So like that's the same thing, checking in, like how, how am I breathing? How does my body feel? How can I be in my body? Where are my emotions sitting in my body? How can I breathe through those and move those and transfer that energy? Now, everything that you've talked about so far has all been very much interrelated. So the eating and eating the rainbow, the yoga and all the movement and being the, the present in life and stuff. And, of course, you said that you live on a farm. So it's all very much linked. How did you come to live on a farm? And tell me about farm life. <laughs> so I actually grew up on a farm in the Hunter Valley, um, in the Hunter Valley near Newcastle. And I lived there for a fair few years. And then when I went to school, um, we moved out to a small beach town. And then I've always loved property and loved the countryside and then I was traveling a lot between America and Australia and my mum moved to Byron Bay about 10 years ago now and a couple of years ago myself I just came to visit mum and then I just never left I just absolutely adore it here I love the people here and the creative creatives that are around and I just love being in nature but I'm so close to the ocean so I can have the space here and then also you know duck to the beach for a surf so, so lucky. It is an absolutely beautiful part of the world and I'm so envious that you are living there. Um, one of the things that I've seen on your Instagram, which I think is a bit conducive to what your, what life would be like in Byron, uh, is dance workshops or something like that or laughing workshops or something. What, what is that? Yeah, so I run... Um workshops which I usually run them at you know little bush stuffs around Australia and then I also run some in per person but I do a lot of work with cacao which is a plant medicine so cacao ceremonies and dance therapy so I just it's like a healing workshop and my um, philosophy is all about fun and healing and letting go so I usually will run a few workshops and it's open to anyone can come and it's just a way of you know having connection, meeting new people, getting people out of their environment and helping them to heal in a fun way. What's cacao medicine? So cacao is um, a plant medicine from Peru. So it's a type of chocolate. So it's chocolate in its raw form. So it comes in these big 
cacao beans. So they grow on trees and then that cacao in its purest form is what you call ceremonial cacao. So it hasn't been heaten, it's raw. So um, it's used to help, you know, connect to the connect to the heart and um, you know, open, open our heart, connect to our heart. It's very like calming and grounding. And um, yeah, so it's used in a lot of different types of healings and in ceremonies and things like that to just help people, you know, connect to their body and be in their body. That's so cool. Um, and so how do people find out about these workshops and the the bush doofs, um and when you're running them and how they can get um, get involved? So the best way is just to follow me on social media and I'll um, often post about things that I have coming up. So it'll either be on my story or I'll do a post and then I'll also have an events list coming up on my website next month. This is so cool. So one of the things that I've noticed after about 50 episodes of this uh, podcast is that the guests that I have on often are running these amazing retreats or workshops and things like that. So I've seen them from these bush that you're talking about, where it's all dance therapy workshops through to yoga retreats in Ibiza and Barcelona and places like this. So it is my goal in life to be able to travel around the world and go to all of my guests' different workshops. So I'm definitely going to come to one of these one time in the future. Do they run all year round or is it just summertime? How does it work? Um, it's on and off, so it just depends what I have going on for work. But, you know, hopefully I'll have a retreat launching next year, so maybe I can get you involved for that. Um, okay, cool. Well, I'm definitely going to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's always changing. So, um, yeah, just... If, if anyone wants to, you know, be kept in the loop, just follow me on social media and um, go from there. Yeah, cool. All right, so um, we'll start to wind up and I've got this 10 and 10 coming up soon, but uh, what's coming up? What's what's the thing you're most looking forward to in the next 12 months? I'm looking forward to my next chapter. So um, whether it's another book or whether it's retreats or whatnot, I'm looking forward to, you know, diving into another creative project that's just as big as my first book. And what advice would you have for anyone listening? Believe in yourself, never give up on your dreams and always connect to your heart. Awesome. I love it. All right, let's get into this 10 and 10. Are you ready to go? All right, 10 quick questions. It's supposed to be, as I said before, we started recording in 10 seconds, but we threw that out the window very quickly and uh, you can go for as long as you like. But the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you each one of these, which I have written down based on what you've said in the episode thus far. So number one, routines versus creativity. First thing that comes to mind. Creativity. Oh, is that what I meant to answer? <laughs> it is absolutely up to you. You can say one or the other or you can go on a tangent about one of them, whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever you want it to be. Creativity. Okay. Number two, writing a book. Um, long. How long, by the way? Just <laughs> side note. The writing part uh, probably took me six or eight weeks, but the editing part takes months and months and months. So you have that to is do, so quick. You have to do the like writing. three rewrites I mean then that's just the first draft but then you have to go back and rewrite it like three or four times so it's very long 
Oh, really? I'd absolutely love to write a book, but I just don't have the time and I don't think I have that desire to that level of commitment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm so intrigued by people who write these books. It sounds so interesting, although quite strenuous. As Although I suppose as long as you enjoy the journey, like you say, then it's a good thing. Yeah. Number three, and so you see what it's like trying to talk to me. As soon as I get an opportunity to talk, like I said, I can talk underneath the water for a week and I go off on all these different tangents. So this 10 in 10 in 10 seconds is certainly something very difficult for me. Number three, eating disorders. Uh, doorway for transformation. Oh, I love that. Once again, another tangent. I, that's so, yeah, that's mind-blowing. I absolutely love that. <laughs> number four blog writing blog writing did you say sorry yeah yeah writing a blog um not fulfilling enough <laughs> <laughs> okay well number five acting um flow state number six adhd superpower I like this positive spin on everything. Number seven, SAS. Um, hectic. Number eight, running. <laughs> uh, medicine. Oh, I like that too. Number nine, this is it, just why. Just why? Purpose. I like that. Have you come across Simon Sinek, by the way? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's the greatest thing that you've taken from him? Um, you know what? It was funny because I've always been so connected to my why, but then when I wanted to name my book The Why, I, you know, did a lot of research into Simon. Um I just love his whole mission. It just really aligns with, you know, my values and my beliefs. Um, how it's, you know, you got to start with why and it's not so important like the what and the how, but everything's about why and just to ask questions about everything in our lives. You know, we, we're born and we just pick up these things that our mum did or that someone else did or we just, you know, fall into these systems but we never start to, you know, ask why or think out of the box. And I believe, like, there's always, you know, we can go right and left but we can also go forward. We've got A, B but we've also got C. So for me it's just all about expanding your mindset and constantly looking for an opportunity to think differently, act differently, ask different questions. Love it. I stalled there because I thought there was an opportunity to go a little bit deeper. And right before we go into number 10, which is a generic question, which I ask everyone, and it is an insight into the way that my mind works. If you, and I'm absolutely fascinated with time travel. So if you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go to and why? Remembering that this is a time traveling experience. So you can come back to now if you choose. Oh, that's a good one. Um, oh, that's pretty, pretty. I reckon I'd go, I think I'd go forward in time, yeah, about 10 years. 10 years? So why 10 years? Um, just so I could have a, like a good look at where everything is. I, I'm not really one, like, I believe that my past is essential for where I am right now and I don't like I, I like to be in the present or the future. So I'd like to go 
forward so that then, you know, I'd have a greater understanding of myself and then I could work backwards from there. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I never really answered this myself, but today I'm going to. So first of all, one of the things that I've noticed on asking this question is it's quite funny. The people who typically say to go forward are the high performance coaches. They want to know, and the real sciencey people that want to know what's going to happen in the future and how things are going to turn out. The, pe- the yogis typically say now, like they're like, nah, I'm, I'm living in the now, I'm present, I'm completely now. And that's kind of what I expected you to say. And then the people who typically say they want to go back in time, usually have got some sort of um, trauma in the past where maybe their mother or father has passed away and they'd like to go back and have one more meal with them or something like that. For me answering this, I've always wanted to go into the future just to see what life is like. Um, But if I was going to go back, it would be to go back and have a Christmas with my family, with my grandparents who have now passed away, and go back to one of those Christmases where we'd have so much extended family there to just see it from adult eyes. I wouldn't go back into that age. I'd go back in the age I am now and live in that point in time just for a night. Yeah, just to appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but the the future thing, I think, um, here's a little crazy part to my brain is I intend to live to 200 and people are like, oh, why do you want to live to 200 for? You know, you're not going to have any friends. Um, Well, I intend to make new friends. And they also, the the other thing they say is that um, living to 200, why would you want to live, you know, essentially like a vegetable, like not being able to do anything? And I don't intend on living to 200 in a bed. I'm talking about quality of life. If I don't have quality of life, then I don't want to be living. But Mm -hmm. It's said that the first person to live to 150 or thereabouts is alive today. And with the way that things, you know, life expectancy is growing, that people will live for for this, you know, longer period of time beyond 100. But I just really think that by the time I reach that age, you know, the people that are alive sort of now and um, I'm 38 at, at the time of now, I think that it would be possible to live up, you know, over 150. And I I just think it would be so cool. But I think for me, it's all about the mindset. If you have the mindset that you're going to live to 200, you start to do things differently in your everyday. You do make sure that you look after yourself better because you're like, well, if I've got another 160 years left on this planet as the way life is, then I need to make sure that I'm, I'm looking after myself. It's just a different mindset, I think, to thinking that you might live you know, for only another 40 years kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. It's mm. all about Anyway, sorry? It's all about perspective. Yeah. So does that, so giving you my little um, spiel on it, does that change your answer in any way? Um. Well, I didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have a good think about that. Well, I was going to say, well, I didn't know that I had an option of just not going forward or back, but um, no, I think I would still go to the future. Yeah, and still to 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, cool. And then would you come back to now or would you live 10 years in the future? I would come back to now for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Isabel, I just want to acknowledge you for all of the work that you do and the people you support and help out there in the world. And I would like to thank you for being a guest on the Mind Your Body Show. Thanks so much.